Well, again, I want to welcome you. Welcome over in the venue. Thank you, uh, Pastor Tim Gianosa, for uh, helping us out over there. We needed uh, Joel here uh, this morning, and thank you, uh, Pastor Tim, leading worship over there, and all of you that serve faithfully there. If you're watching online, and there are lots and lots of people watch online all over the world, we're glad you're with us, or if you're listening on the radio right now, uh, we're, we're, we're glad you're, you're here. Um, or, or listening. Hey, here's the deal. Before I get into this, I want to tell you a little bit about uh, uh, that special offering that we took uh, in December. For those of you that are visiting, uh, one of the things we, we do here uh, at Big Valley Grace is we take a special offering over and above what we normally bring to the Lord uh, in uh, December, and then all of that money is given to help other local churches basically here in our town. Uh, we recognize that um, much has been given to us here at Big Valley Grace. And the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. And we, we know, we, we got a lot here. We got a beautiful tool, this building, all the stuff. God has given us a lot, and, and, and there's a lot required of us. And one of the things we do is, is we recognize that we have brothers and sisters in the Lord that uh, are meeting right now in other parts of our city other parts of our town, and they're doing great things for God, and they don't have the resources that we have. And so what we do is we say, hey, how can we be a blessing to you? Most of these are smaller churches, and they're in a different part of town than this church is, and there's nothing wrong with being where we're at. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing evil in that, but thank the Lord that there are churches all over our city doing great things for, for God. And what we do is we go and say, hey, look, how can we be a blessing to you? And for some, they just need their roof fixed, and they don't have the money to do it. They need new air conditioner, or they need new chairs. Or uh, For some, they want to do a crusade, but they can't afford the honorarium to bring the guy in. They can't afford the plane flight to get the guy here. They can't put him up in the hotel room, whatever it is. And we all come together as a family and say, oh, no, no, no. We, we want to partner with you. Go for it. Get your roof fixed. Get your air conditioner fixed. Bring that guy out. Whatever it is that, whatever it is that you um, need, need, need done. And, um, and so I uh, wanted you to know that this year's offering came to $142,000. And um, every bit of that, every bit, none of that stays here. It goes to churches and ministries maybe right here in our town. There is one church that I'm excited to tell you about uh, that isn't necessarily in Modesto, but you're going to be thrilled when, when you hear about what we're doing. Now, we don't tell you what churches that are now because you guys can't keep a secret. Uh, we we got to go and we kind of deal with them and talk with them and then we always bring back a video and they always get to say thanks and all that and it's really, really a fun thing. And um, it, it is something special that, that we do here at Big Valley Grace because we understand our responsibility in the kingdom. We have our role to play, they've got their role to play and we, we can be a blessing to what, what they're doing. Um, you know, one of the things about this place, especially if you're visiting, is uh, we recognize that, that one of the great sins that grabs our lives here in, in our, our country is the sin of materialism. Uh, a lot of people on the planet don't, don't struggle with that, but here in uh, America we do. And one of the things that combats materialism is uh, that moment we call the moment of joy where that little basket goes by in front of you. Because it's at that moment you've got a decision to make. Am I going to honor the Lord with my wealth? 
God doesn't want it all. He could ask for it all. He doesn't want it all. But he does want you to bring a gift to him. And at that moment, man, doesn't your flesh get all riled up? Oh, man. I could buy a new car. I could get a new pair of pants. I could buy new earrings. I, could, I mean, there's all these thoughts that run through your mind, right? And your flesh is so angry you get mad at me. I, I get it. you got to put your anger somewhere. And so, ah, the church, all they want is my money. No, that's not true. Church, we, we spent, what, 30 seconds on that offering. We're going to be here an hour and a half. The reason why we take that offering is because God tells us to do it. It's the way we worship him. And there's a practical aspect that these chairs you're sitting in weren't free. <laughs> the air conditioning isn't free. The heater's not free. You know, PG&E and MID don't say, hey, man, thanks for being at church, man. We're just going to give you free electricity. <laughs> they don't do that. All of the, the songs that we sing, do you know we have to pay for those? The people that wrote those songs just don't say, hey, I wrote this song. Here, you sing it for free. Unless they're songs we wrote, and we write a lot of our own songs. We have to pay for all that stuff. All the materials that are being taught in our children's ministries and youth ministries, we have to pay for all that. The uh, you know the, the, the parking lot getting it paved and all. You know, the practical sense, the, the shekels go to the things that go on here. But but what's most important about it isn't what happens here. It's what happens in your own personal life. When all of a sudden you go, it's not mine, jurist God. And I just wanted you to know that you you are the most generous people on the planet. There just can't be another group of people. Uh, followers of Christ who are as generous as you, and thank you very much for December, that special uh, offering and all of, all of that. Well, last week we kicked off, to, kicked off a, a new series here at Big Valley Grace called Parables, where we're looking at uh, five of our most, uh, um, our favorite parables, if you will, or, or stories that Jesus taught us in the New Testament. And last week, Pastor Bobby Kirchner did a great job looking at the parable or the story of the prodigal son. And if you weren't here last week, and let me just tell you something, you need to uh, go home, get on the web, get on our website, and you can watch the, the sermon live, or you can listen to it live. Um, you can download our, our app on your smartphone if you don't have our app, and you can go and watch the video, watch the sermon, or listen to the video for free uh, on, on our app. Or if, you know, two bucks is burning a hole in your pocket, right after this gathering, you can go right out the door, and there's a resource center out there, and you can buy the DVD or the CD or whatever it is you want to get and, and listen to it. But the point is, is, it was a great message, and you all need to, to, to hear it. If you weren't able to be here last week and spend some money or watch it for free, take 45 minutes out of your life, and I guarantee you, you'll, you'll, you'll hear from the Lord. Today, we're going to look at the parable of the farmer scattering seed, or the parable of the four soils, which is found in Luke chapter 8. Now, as I read this, I want you to think about your own life, okay? I want you to... Um, Think about which of these four soils best describes where you're at right now in your relationship with Jesus. Okay, now I know you're going to be able to zero in on your spouse's relationship. I know you're really good at looking at somebody else and going, well, I know where they're at. You're really good at looking at your kid's life or your parent's life or whatever. Um, I want you to look at your own life. Don't worry about your spouse. Don't worry about your kids. Don't worry about your parents. You worry about your own life. And so as I read this, I just want you to think about you. Where are you at 
maybe as it relates to these four soils. So let's read it together. Okay, if you've got a Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 8, or it'll be on the jumbotrons. I think all the verses are in your notes and all that kind of stuff, okay? This is what the Bible says. Verse 4, one day, Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. And this was the story. Here's the parable. A farmer went out to plant his seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and dried for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up, and it choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as been planted. Now when Jesus had said this, he called out, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. And he replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom, but I use parables to teach others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they look, they really don't see, and when they hear, they really don't understand. Here's the meaning of the parable. Here it is. The seed is God's word. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent, represent those who hear the message only to have the devil take it away um, from their hearts and prevent them from believing and even being saved. The seed that fell on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and receive it with joy, but since they don't have any deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. The seeds that fell amongst the thorn represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life, and so they never grow into maturity. And the seeds that fall on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. Now, I want you to know I've, I've preached on this parable more times than I could count. I've uh, been here, for those of you that are visiting, 30 years, and um, I was going through a file I've got, and I found at least 15 different messages over the years. Some of it were to youth, some of it were youth camps, uh, some of them were here. Uh, the, the point is, I've preached on this parable a lot. It's one of my favorite parables, which is the whole you know, part of the point of this series is we're doing our favorite parables. But today what I want to do is I want to take a little different angle on it. Okay, than I have in the past. One of the things that I hear all the time from people is this, or, or thoughts like this. Pastor Rick, you always say that you hear God speaking to you, but I don't. Even when I read my Bible, I don't feel like I get, get anything out of it. Is there something wrong with me? Does God really, you know, speak to us? Is there something wrong with me kind of a thing? And the answer is yes. Yes, there's something wrong with you. That's the short answer because God is speaking. He's always speaking. Tonight, just go outside and look up at the stars. Look up at the moon. It, it, it's saying something to you. Pick up a, a flower and just look at it for a moment. It's saying something to you about God. Just look at your own hand. What it can do. 
Your, your hand is saying something to you about God. And obviously, God left us his word. You see, the issue isn't whether God is speaking. He's always speaking. The issue is, is us and whether we're really you know, tuned into God. It's like a radio or a television set. You got to be tuned into the right station. If you want to listen to country music, you got to tune into the right station to get country music. If you want to listen to jazz, you got to turn into the right station to get jazz, you see. If you want to watch some movie on television, you got to turn into the right frequency on the television set to get whatever movie it is you want to watch. Well, the same thing is true with God. You got to be kind of tuned in to whatever it is that, that God's saying. After Jesus told this parable, he said this in verse 8. He said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. In other words, you got to make sure that your ears are tuned into the right frequency. Because if they're not, you're never going to hear from God. See, hearing from God isn't automatic. Hearing the, the truth and something good isn't just automatic. There are some things that you can just kind of catch, and it's usually evil or crummy things. Evil and crummy things just come upon you. We catch a cold, right? And we're not even doing anything. We just go to the mall. We go to the store, right? We go to work. I caught a cold. Nobody ever catches good health. I just caught it, man. I just, man, I was at the mall, and the next thing you know, I had a six-pack. It, it was just weird. I just caught good health. It, things that are good and holy and righteous, you don't just catch. You don't turn on your computer and have a Bible verse. Never happens. But you'll turn on your computer, click onto something, and boom, there's some porn, right? There's some crummy, dirty joke. That stuff just gets thrown at you all day long. But when it comes to good things, holy things, righteous things, truth, you got to tune in. You got to have the right set of, set of ears, uh, so to speak. And I think what what you find in this parable is, are, are some great principles that help us understand this idea maybe a little bit better. So, so let's get into it, okay? Now, in the story, you, you've got the, the farmer, and he represents God, okay? God's the one that's scattering seed. He's scattering the seed everywhere, and, and the seed that God is scattering is the word of God. And because the seed or the word of God is being scattered everywhere, it lands on different soil. It lands on four different kinds of soil. And these four different types of soil really represent four different kinds of hearts, four different kinds of, of uh, attitudes that a person can have towards God or towards God's word. And in fact, in this room right now, over in the venue right now, watching online right now, driving in your car, listening on the radio, there are four different kinds of soils represented in this room right here. All four of those soils that I just read about in this parable are in this room right now. Now, I don't, I don't know what the soil is of your heart. I don't know what the soil is of your mind. I don't know. That's why I wanted you to look at your life. And I want you to take a hard look at maybe where your life is. What is your attitude towards God, towards his word, right, at, at this moment? See, what I'm doing here right now is 
I'm scattering seed. The songs that we sang were all biblical principles. Seed is being scattered. Up here, Pastor Joel Boone was challenging moms and dads, you know, and us to help raise good kids, you know, um, uh, light of the world kind of kids, salt of the earth kind of kids. I don't care whether your kid is smart. I don't care whether your kid can throw a football 100 yards or kick a field goal. Who cares about that? There's a lot of crummy people out there that are smart. There's a lot of crummy people out there that can throw footballs a long way. I want to know, is your kid a good kid? Is he a salt of the earth kind of kid? Don't tell me about, well, you know, my kid's really beautiful. Big deal. You know there have been some mass murderers that were super handsome. We get so goofed up with all the wrong stuff here in America. Seed, Joel Boone, scattered seed in our lives. Things that ought to be important to us. I'm scattering seed right now. And depending upon the soil that lands on is going to determine what happens with it. There will be some of you in here that, wow, man, this... The seed will, will, will have a profound impact on your life. There will be some of you that you were watching what was going on up here with the parents and the kids, and you're thinking to yourself, dude, you know what? I've blown it. i, I got to change some things about my life. And maybe I blew it with my kids, but I'm not going to blow it with my grandkids. All of a sudden, the seed, for whatever reason, fell on, on good soil. But there's going to be others of you, you know, you can hardly wait till I'm done. You don't want to be here. And how I know it is there's skid marks all the way into the building, right? You know, your wife brought you. I don't know, your parents brought you. You don't really want to be here, man. You're being polite and thank you. But man, you just want this to end so you can go home and, you know, eat a burger, man, and watch the game or whatever the, whatever the deal is. And guess what? I already know that. I'm not bummed out about it because God's word tells me that there's just these four kinds of soil in life, and they're in here. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen as I scatter the seed. I don't know, because I don't really know where all your hearts are at. But what I'd like to do is this. I'd like to maybe share just a, a few thoughts on how to get back to my original question. How, how can you hear God speak to you? How can you get yourself in a place where you really do hear God speak? And by the way, let me just say this. I think that you can move from soil to soil. Uh, You know, there can be times when you're really open to God's word, and man, when it hits your life, you go, whoa, and things start happening in your life, and it begins to transform your life. And then you go through seasons where, for whatever reason, you know what, man, you just don't want to hear from God. And you're not all all that open to the things of God. You know, I, I don't think it's a constant you know, our hearts are always in this great place. And I don't think our hearts are always in a crummy place. I know for a fact there was a time in my life when, when I wasn't open to the things of God. I didn't want anything to do with God. I didn't believe in God. Obviously, that, 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 is, that has changed um, uh, today. Um, so, so anyway, l- l- let me walk through these four soils and maybe give you a thought or two that you can kind of maybe hang on to and see what the Lord might, might do with them. Uh, soil number one represents the stepped-on mind or the stepped-on heart. 
And the thought here is if you want to grow in your relationship with God, you got to be open to the fact that God wants to talk to you. You see, I think this is where it all begins. And by the way, there was a time when everybody in this room had a stepped-on mind, a stepped-on heart. We all begin apart from God. We all begin not wanting to hear from God, not believing in God. We really are all atheists at one moment. We're all agnostics. Then there came a moment maybe when your grandmother told you about Christ and you received Christ in your life or you were a teenager and you went to a camp or you came here and heard the message and gave your life to Jesus. But we all start apart from God. That's the story of the Bible. And this first soil just kind of represents where we all begin. If you want to hear, you know, God speak, you got to be open to the fact that God wants to talk to you. You got to have a desire to want to tune into his frequency. You see, many people never hear God speak to them because they're closed off to the possibility of it. They're not even open to the fact that there might be a God out there that wants to talk to them. They're not even open to the fact that there's a God out there that loves them and cares about them deeply. Their mind has been stepped on so much by the world's philosophies, you know, that two molecules got together a billion years ago, and boom, there was a bang, and, you know, I don't know, there was some gashish, noshish, nishish, nish, and, and we, we floated around in that for a while, and the next thing you know, we popped our head out, I don't know, and then we were eating some fruit and grew some legs and some arms, and here we are, unbelievably stupid. But guess what? Your mind has been stepped on so often with that philosophy, all you think is, man, you came from an animal, and, which is why a lot of our kids today are acting like animals. No, no joke. We haven't taught our kids that, no, you're not an animal. You were made in the very image of God. That's what makes you unique. That's what makes you special. That's what gives your life dignity. It's what separates us from all the other animals that have been created, is that we're made in the very image of God, you see? But because your mind has been stepped on by your parents or your uncles or your friends or your professors, you're not even open to the fact that there's a God. And there's a God out there who cares about you deeply and wants to do life with you kind of a thing. Look at verse 5. So as a farmer went out and planted his seed, and as he scattered it across the field, some of the seed fell on a footpath. In other words, the workers just walked on this path so often when the seed fell on it, it was stepped on so often, it couldn't do anything. So there it was, and it was easy picking for the birds. It was easy picking for the coyotes. It was easy picking for the animals that would just come along and eat it because the ground had just been stepped on so often. Didn't have anywhere to go. And verse 12 gives us the meaning of it. It says, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message. The seed's been scattered only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and even being saved. You see, this first soil represents a person that's not even open to the fact or the idea that God has anything to say to them or even that he's real. And when you have this attitude, I want you to know, it's really hard to hear from God. Really hard. Can't tell you how many people I've met over the years that had totally hardened their hearts to the idea that there was a God who loved them and cared for them and wanted to, you know, talk with them. 
Their minds had been stepped on so often they just couldn't even grasp the thought. I was one of them. Man, I, I just didn't believe there could be a God. I didn't believe it. I didn't know what I believed. But I used to go down to First Baptist, you know, decades ago, and Jaeger and these guys would scatter the seed, and Bill Stewart and the youth ministry would scatter the seed, and man, I was just there for the girls, man. I didn't care. My life had been stepped on so often, and the, the philosophies of the world had so impacted my mind, I wasn't even open to the idea that there could be a God who cared about me, who loved me, wanted something to do with me. And at that time, it was a little bit more, more difficult because I had a dad who kind of blew doors on my life at that time. Why would God care about me? My own dad didn't. <laughs> so I was all skewed in terms of what I thought about the Heavenly Father just based upon what my earthly father you know, had done. Now, what makes a person so defensive to the idea that, that there is no God or that they would close their minds to God? Well, let me give you a couple thoughts here. I, 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 you know, I've given you a couple already, but number one, fear steps on our minds. People are afraid of what God might say to them. If I open my heart to God and I say, God, speak to me, come into my life, I think they're afraid of what might, God might say to them. They, they might hear God say that he wants them to change their lifestyle, you know what, I, I like fulfilling all the desires of my flesh. I like doing whatever it is I wanted to do, whenever it is I wanted to do it. I liked that. Who doesn't like that? And there's this fear that maybe if there is a God, and if I open my life up to that God, maybe he's going to ask me to change my lifestyle. Maybe they're afraid that they might hear God say that he wants them to forgive somebody. There's somebody in your life, a mom, a dad, a grandma, a grandpa, I don't know, a parent, I don't know who it is, who hurt you deeply, did something really crummy to you, and you deserve the right to be angry, you deserve the right to be mad, and all of that. They're not wrong with that, but God just might say to you, look, it's time to forgive that person, and you don't want to hear that. Maybe you might hear God say that he wants you to give away some of your wealth. Boy, I'll tell you what, that one's a tough one. It's tough even for those who give their life to Christ. It's, it's not an easy thing to, when that basket comes by, I don't care how long you've walked with God. Usually in a church service, the big downer is the offering. Oh, no, crud. Got to give. Jesus died for my sins, hung on a cross for my sins, was beaten to a pulp for my sins, I guess I'll give a buck or two, you know. I mean, that's just, that's just ought to be one of the great moments in the church service. It ought to be one of the, the woo -hoo! yeah, that's what I'm talking about, man. I get to worship the Lord now through giving a little bit of my wealth. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. And he didn't give a buck or two he gave the second person of the Holy Trinity. He gave his son, Jesus Christ. Here is our great example, the greatest giver ever, God. And he doesn't ask for it all. He just asks for a little piece. It says a reminder of who gave you everything you have. I don't know. A lot of people never tune into God because they're afraid, you know, um, of something. Fear steps on their mind. Number two, bitterness steps on our minds. 
People close themselves off to God because of the hard times that they face. In other words, they blame God for all the hard times that they go through. They blame God for the loss of their you know, spouse or the loss of their child or the loss of their parent. They blame God for all the crummy things that might happen in their life. And if you have that attitude, if you think God's the one who's done it all, well, why would you want to talk to him? Why would you want to listen to him? Listen, the Bible says this. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have troubles. Troubles are the standard equipment of life. We all have troubles. God isn't up in heaven going, okay, let's see here. Yeah, you. Boom, that's it. Everybody else, trouble-free life. But you, you know, yeah, man. See, but you're so into you, you just think life's all about you. You think you're the only one that has any troubles or problems or whatever. No. The reality is we all have them. And if you don't have any today, buckle your seatbelt because tomorrow's a new day. That's why Jesus said, man, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will deal with itself. Today's got enough troubles of its own. And isn't that the truth? Today has a lot of troubles and problems in it. The reality is everybody goes through them. Everybody st- uh, number three, pride will step on your minds. People think they don't need God. Why do I need God, pastor? Everything in my life is great. I've got a great education. I've got a great job. I've got a great spouse. I've got great kids. i built my own business. I don't need anybody's help. I don't need God's advice. And I certainly don't need God's forgiveness. Because aren't you a wonderful person? You see, what the world has taught you is that you're good. And that is not the message of the Bible. The Bible teaches that you're evil. Some people are just more evil than others. Obviously, you're not Hitler. You're not Charlie Manson. You're not Jeffrey Dahmer. But the message of the Bible is is that we've all sinned. We're all bad to some degree. We all need God's forgiveness. All of us. But when pride has stepped all over your life, man, I don't need it. That evil I did, that evil I said, whatever it is, man, that person deserved it, man. You see, the fact is, if you listen to God, you might have to face up to some of, uh, up to some of your, your faults. You might have to face up to some of your weaknesses. You might have to face up to some ugly things in your life, like your sin. And so you just dig your heels in and say, nah, not me. I'm not, I don't want to deal with that. I'm just not going to deal with it. Pride is always a smokescreen for insecurity, always. So these three things and others will harden your heart to the voice of God, or when the seed is, is planted in your life, the birds will just come and eat it up. James makes this comment in James chapter 1. He said, so get rid of all filth and all evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your life. It has the power to save your soul. And you ought to zero in on that word planted. God plants his word in your heart that that's what's happening right now as I'm speaking. God is planting the the word of God into your hearts. And it has the power to save your soul. You're not going to live forever. No one does. 
Death is the great equalizer in life. Doesn't matter how much money you got, what color your skin is. It doesn't matter what neighborhood you live in. None of that matters. All of you are going to die as a result of sin. And it's when you take your last breath, you better know what's going to happen with your soul. And there's one thing and only one thing that will save your soul. And that is the word that's being scattered in your life by God. But here's the deal. You have to deal with the filth in your life. You've got to deal with the evil in your life if you want to hear it. You have to hum humble yourself and accept what God says about you, about life, about sin or whatever. Otherwise, the word will be eaten up by the birds, if you will, and will have no impact on, on your life. And this is where some of you are today. I know it. I know it. You see, there was a moment in my life <laughs> where, you know, I, I, God, I don't know how it all works. I just know God was drawing me to himself. I sensed it. The eyes, the, 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 the blinders on my eyes, the scales on my eyes, if you will, were kind of being peeled back. And as the word was being scattered, there came this moment when, when I had to deal with the evil in my life. The Bible just calls it sin. And I knew that my sin, I, I knew I was a sinful person. I had done sinful things. I had said sinful things. Uh, you know, I, I should have been in jail many, many times. I knew about my life. I knew how sinful my life is. I wouldn't have called it sin. That's a Bible word. I just knew I was evil, messed up, goofed up, whatever it is. And I recognized that my sin had separated me from God. How could a holy, righteous God want to hang out with me? <laughs> I mean, I was this dirty, rotten, crummy dude. And I recognized as the seed was being scattered that God so loved me because I was made in his image that he sent his son Jesus Christ to deal with all the filth and the evil and the wickedness in my life. And that if I would just receive him, if I just received the seed into my life, that that seed of Jesus Christ would cleanse me of all the sin of my life. And that God, when he looked down upon this crummy soul no longer would see the sin and the evil and the filth, but he'd see his son. <laughs> and his son trumps all my evil, you see. But you have to humble yourself. That's a hard thing, to humble yourself and say, God, I'm going to submit my life to you. I get it. So the first thing you got to do if you want to hear from God is you got to just be open to the fact that God wants to talk to you. You got to invite the seed into your life. Soil number two, this is the shallow mind, if you will. If you want to grow in your relationship with God, I think the second thing at least you got to do is you got to set aside time, dedicated time, to listen for God's voice. In other words, you have to schedule time to hear from God. You got to make you know, time to listen to God. You actually have to get quiet so that you can hear the voice of God. You see, too often the reason you don't hear from God is because you're just in too much of a hurry. You see, after you humble yourself and you receive the seed into your life, the seed has to grow if we keep using this illustration. And what makes the seed grow is dedicated time alone with God and his word, you see. See, verse six says, other seed fell among the rocks, and it began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and dried for lack of moisture. And verse 13 gives us the meaning of it. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message, and they receive it with joy, 
But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. Beloved, the the shallow soil or the shallow mind is really a superficial mind. These are people who who come to church. Maybe they come to church every weekend and they hear the word of God preach. You know, the, the seed is scattered and it lands on their hearts and they get all excited about it and they react with great emotion, but they never let the, the word of God, you know, sink in and take roots. And because of that, there's very little life change. And we all know people like that, don't we? Look at those two words, with joy. They receive the word of God, the seed, with joy. They're thrilled, they're pumped, but they're not transformed. They're excited. Woo, I got a goosebump. I sense God. That one song I felt in my bowl, I got got tingly. But they didn't allow the roots to take hold. And so 24 hours later, 72 hours later, sometimes before you ever get out of the parking lot, somebody cuts you off. You're not even out of church yet. And you give them the one-way sign. <laughs> but with the, wrong, with the other finger. Right? You haven't even left church. Look, here's the deal. Because they don't allow the word of God to penetrate the bedrock of their personality, they're not changed permanently. Verse 13 says they believe for a while, but then they forget. A lot of people start off great in the Christian life, but there's no depth to their commitment. And as a result, when problems come up in their life or their marriage or their family or their business or whatever, when the heat is on, they just dry up and blow away. That's what they do. So what can you do to get your roots to, to grow a little bit deeper? Well, let me just tell you, you need to dedicate time every day to read the Word of God. You need to dedicate time every single day just to spend time in this incredible book. Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And you got to set aside dedicated time where you turn everything off. You turn your smartphone off. You turn your iPad off. You turn your iPad mini off. You turn your pacemaker off. You turn off anything you got that can make noise, distract you. I'm kidding about the pacemaker. Hey, Pastor Rick said to turn it off. I don't do that. Look, let me tell you something. Modern technology is unbelievable. And I know if the great apostle Paul was around today, he'd use every bit of it. He used the technology of his day, right? He, he wrote letters and he put it through snail mail. And that was really snail mail. I mean, that took months to get a letter someplace. If Apostle Paul was here today, he'd use a Twitter account. He'd have a Facebook account. He'd use it all for God's glory. But you know what? It, it can also be used in a crummy way. Every one of us has a, a unique sound. And we know that sound. You know what I'm talking about, right? The sound when a when a when a text comes in, or you get an email. Whoop, whoop, woo, zabo. I mean, we all have our own little, and we hear we hear that sound, and it's unique just to us. And I know you all have a sound. You know how? Because I hear it in here. Whoop, 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 whoop
Fucking down, your face is all white, like the Shekinah glory of the Lord's on it. And I know you're not looking at a Bible app, okay? I'm not that dumb. But isn't it weird? We have our own little sound. Somebody else's sound can go off. Not my sound. Zingo! That's me. And here you are, alone with God, and I guarantee you there are forces at work that when you set aside dedicated time, if you don't turn off all those gadgets, you'll hear the sound. And that sound will draw you to it. And you'll think to yourself, you know what? I'll, I'll just answer this email. It won't take me a second. Now your mind's somewhere else. And then they respond to it. And before you know it, you blew 10, 15 minutes where you should have been letting the seeds grow and the roots penetrate the hardness of all of our hearts. We all got hard hearts, man. You got to spend dedicated time in this book. Dedicated time in this book, allowing the Holy Spirit that lives in you and the words of this book alone just minister to you. It's absolutely critical. Romans chapter 10 says, so faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. In other words, faith comes because of this book, the time that you spend in this book, and there's no magic secret to it. You can't take a pill and get it all in you. There's no thing that you can plug into your brain, some hard drive. You can't say, you know, transfer the knowledge, transfer the knowledge right now, Lord, transfer you can't do it. You got to open this thing up and you got to spend time reading it. Just you and God and the Holy Spirit within you. There's, there's no nothing, there's, there's no fix quick, no fix, you know, fix, uh, quick fix. Can't do it. I can't even say that fast. You can't do it. Number three, soil number three, and these two kind of go together, and this is the, the preoccupied mind. If you want to grow in your relationship with God, you got to keep yourself free from the things that distract you from hearing God's voice. If you're going to hear God speak, you got to get quiet, and so often we miss God's voice because our minds are filled with everything else, worries about paying the bills, worries about our family, worries about our business, thinking about a big date you got coming up, the big first date, you know, Next weekend, th uh, thinking about a, a test that's coming up, th thinking about that promotion that you really want. All these things and others will, will choke out what God wants to do in your life. Uh, everybody look at verse 7 again. It says, other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it. And, and then there's that great phrase, and choked out the tender plants. And verse 14 tells us the meaning of it. The seed that fell among the thorns represent those that hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. Listen, this parable is just a powerful word from Jesus to us. Galatians chapter 5 says this, but the Holy Spirit... When, when you humble yourself and allow the seed of the word of God into your life, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the things that God wants to produce in my life. That's the kind of man that God wants me to be. And by the way, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that's the kind of person God wants you to be. 
And if you don't see those things in your life, the chances are pretty good that something's choking it out. The Christian life isn't like building the space shuttle. It's a pretty easy gig. And one of the things you can do is just look at your own life and say, you know, is my life full of love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness? Is the fruit of the Spirit coming out of the pores of my life? And if not, maybe you need to do a little evaluation. Maybe there are some things that are choking out what God wants to do in your life. I think in America today, man, Christians are just way... You know, they just care about things that are trivial, things that really don't matter. Things like, like, how do I look? What's my image? How do people see me? Do I have the right clothes on? Do I drive the right car? Do I live in the right neighborhood? Do I hang out with the right people? Do I hang out at the right cool places? Am I cool, you know, or am I a dork? It wasn't long ago that one of my children said to me, Dad, you're, you're a dork. <laughs> dork? I'm not a dork. Look at me. I'm cool, man. I said, well, what makes me a dork? And one of the comments that was made was, look at your mustache. You need to get rid of your mustache. <laughs> Talking about Tom Selleck looking mustache, man. <laughs> Come on. He was like, cool. I still got my Tom Selleck shorts. <laughs> my wife won't let me wear them, but I got them. <laughs> it's a weird one. One junior hire said I, I was a dork, and it's like, Oh, no. I can't be a dork. What do I got to do? I don't want to be a dork. And we start worrying about things like that, right? And God says, well, what are you worried about that for? Do you see the fruit of my spirit coming out of your life? Why don't you worry about that? You put all this juice and effort into all these things, and nothing wrong with having a nice home, nothing wrong with having a nice car, nothing wrong with, that. Nothing wrong with any of that. What's wrong with that is when those things start to choke out what God wants to do in your life. I know a lot of people have got a lot of nice homes. I got a nice home. The problem is, is when I allow stuff to choke out the working of God in my life. When I don't see the fruit of the Spirit in my life. Now Jesus said, you know, we've got the, the, the cares of the thorn of life. There's the, the cares of, of, of life thorn, if you will. This is when problems and pressures of daily life choke out the voice in, of God in our life. You gotta be careful of that. Just the day, man, I gotta, you know, you're busting your hump, you're trying to pay your mortgage payment, pay your rent payment, and MID, PG&E, and just about the time you get caught up, your refrigerator goes out, right, and then you gotta buy a new refrigerator, and man, you finally get that going, and then whew, finally caught up, boom, the tranny on your car goes out, and you're just thinking, oh, man. You're worried about your children. Are they doing well in school? Are they not doing well in school? What are they doing after school? There's all the, the cares of life. Then you got the riches of life thorn. Some people are, are, you know, get so busy, you know, making a living that they forget to make a life. You can get to the end of your life and have a good home and a good car or maybe two homes and two good cars. I don't know. You can have all kinds of stuff. And, and what do you got? But a home and a car. And then you're dead. There's a lot of things way more important than all those things. Now, you've got to put a roof over your head. I get it. You've got to have clothes on your back. You've got you to do those things. And there's nothing wrong with, with having wealth and, and making a living. God wants us to work. God worked. Nothing wrong with working. It's when you work so hard, you know, and, and, and it begins to choke out the, 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 
the priorities really of, of life. And then you got the pleasures of, of life, thorn. Things like hobbies can take priority over hearing God's voice. Recreation can take priority. Your family can take priority. And I want you to know something. The greatest thing in your life, the greatest voice that you can hear isn't mine, isn't your spouse's, isn't your children's, it's not your parents, it's not your Uncle Joe or your grandpa. Those might all be good voices, but the best voice is God's voice. That's the voice you need to hear. And there could be things that choke that out, even recreation. And I know I'm a little behind, but, but let me just tell you, th there was a time in my life, my, my first wife died in an automobile accident. And when I was married to her, this is a lot of years ago, uh, Megan, who's now 22, I think it was about three at the time, and I played a lot of softball. When I gave my life to Christ, one of the things that attracted me to this particular church was that the softball league and Man, there were a bunch of guys here last night that I played softball with, a bunch of old timers, and I loved softball. I loved sports. I loved playing sports, I, and I was pretty good at it. I loved softball, and I'd go out to Rainbow Fields, and man, I had this team that I played on out there, and you have to practice. We practiced a couple times a week, then you got to get to the game an hour early, and then you got the game, and then you got to spend about an hour after the game, and then you got to ride to the game and back home from the game, and I spent all this time out there, and my wife and I had this big blow up because I was spending so much time away playing softball, and I was, my pride, you know, what are you talking about, man? People are out there selling dope and drugs, and all I'm doing is playing softball. I mean, I had all the lame, stupid excuses, and they were lame and stupid. It was bothering my wife. Good enough. But I got in the car, and we had a two-door, uh, uh, two-seater CRX Honda, and I put my baseball bag in the thing. I'm driving down Claus Road, heading out to Rainbow Fields. And now I'm alone. Now there's nobody to impress. Now there's nobody to be prideful in front of him except God. And let me tell you something. You can, you can get on a plane and go to another country, and you still got you there, which means you still got the Holy Spirit. And I'm driving down the road, and, and I can just sense God just boring into me. Uh, yeah? Yeah, what is it? And there was this whole idea of, man, what, what an idiot. I gave you a wife. I gave you a child. She wants you home. And a, hitting a little round white ball is more important to you than being with your wife and kids. In fact, by the way, you don't spend that much time with me. You're so busy getting extra batting practice in, going down to the cages, picking up another team to play with. By the time I got to Rainbow Fields, no joke, I still remember this. I uh, pulled in, walked up to the coach and said, I'm done. Said, what do you mean? I'm done, I'm not playing anymore. He goes, you mean you're not playing tonight? I said, no, I'm not playing again. And I got in my car, and I drove home. In fact, I still remember giving my bag away that had my bats and all my stuff in it and gave it to a, a kid that was in the youth ministry. I was the youth pastor here. Never played again. Now, let me tell you something. Did it hurt? Yeah. I love playing softball. Uh, there are times I can drive by Rainbow Fields and go, man, I see all the guys out there playing and in fact, a guy called me not long ago and said, hey, Rick, a buddy of mine I used to go to school with, hey, Rick, I'm putting together a team. I said, oh, man, come on, really, a team? He goes, yeah, it's for old guys, for guys that are over 50. <laughs> what are you talking about, old guys? You, you, you're talking to me? 
I ain't going to play no old guys league. I'm going to go out there and play with teenagers, man. I thought about it. I want you to know. And I thought I'd have my wife do a pregame Bengay me up, you know, just, just lather me up with Bengay before, before the game. And there's this big stink ball out there. I'm ready. And by the way, in the old guys league, I asked him, I said, what does that mean? You hit the ball and, you know, some teenager runs the first for you and you never do anything. And, you know, and you just shuffle over to the, the bench and sit down. You know, what? What happened? I became the guy just to mock. I'm the old guy. But here's the deal. Um, in the Christian life, if all we had to do was choose between what is good and what is evil, that's a no-brainer, right? Anybody can choose between what is good and what is evil. But in the Christian life, what the devil does, what the demons do is this. Here's how they're going to choke out the work of God in your life. They're going to put good things out there. And now you've got to make a choice between a good thing and the very best thing. Ooh. That's hard. Nothing wrong with softball. It's a good thing. But I had to deal with what's the very best thing. And let me tell you something. I know one of the reasons why I'm standing here now is because of those kinds of choices. That I said, you know what, here's the deal. I'm not, I'm not going to allow the seed that is taking root. I'm not going to allow thorns and weeds to choke out what God wants to do in my life. I'm not going to do it. And I'd rather give up something good for something way, way better. And for some of you, that's a choice that maybe you're facing right now. Maybe the Holy Spirit's speaking to you right now, and you're going, man... I got some things like that too in my life. And they're not evil things. They're not wicked. But they're not the very best thing that God would have for, for you. And just so you don't go crazy, number four, and I'll end just by letting you fill in the blank here, okay? <laughs> the, the, this is the committed mind. If you want to grow in your relationship with God, you, you have to make a commitment to actually do what God tells you to do. And, and here's my thought there, just with this. Listen. It's not making a commitment saying, God, um, you know, you tell me whatever it is you want me to do. It's a seed is scattered, then I'll look at that, and then I'll make a decision whether I want to do it or not. No. I'm talking about the kind of mind that's fertile and soil, the kind of mind that, uh, that, that God's looking for, the kind of heart that really will do great things for God is the mind and the heart that says, God... Whatever it is you want me to do with my life, if there are things you want me to do, I'll do them. If there are things you want me not to do, I won't do them, even before you know what they are. Yeah. You, you mean you got to make that call up front? Yeah. You see, if your attitude is, well, well God, you, you tell me what it is you want me to do, and then, you know, I'll get together with my buddies, my wife, my spouse, my friends, we'll talk it over. I'm not really sure I'll do it. Forget it. You're already being choked out. You have to say, God, uh, whatever it is, up front, I'm telling you, God, whatever it is, I, I may not be popular, my friends may not want to be around me, I may not get invited to all the cool parties anymore, but God, you are more important than anything else. My family's more important than anything else. 
I want to be one of your followers, and if I lose friends because of it, cool. If I get called a hater and a right-wing fanatical or whatever they want to call me, they can call me anything they want. All that matters to me is this, God, I, I, whatever. Even when it doesn't make sense, and there's a lot of things that God calls you to do that don't make sense. A lot of things that God will call you to do that our culture will say, man, you're just a hater, you're, you're crazy. This is what I'm basing my life on. That's, that's the soil that we all need to get to. Uh, over in the venue, why don't you stand up and I'll pass it off to, to, to Pastor Tim or Joel and everybody here stand up and let, let me just close our, our time in prayer. And just, just close your eyes for just a moment, okay? And I know I'm just way behind and I apologize, but just close your eyes. If God were to cut into your brain, you know, and do a brain scan, what kind of mind would he find? Would he find a stepped-on mind? Mind that's not even open to the fact that there's a God out there who cares about you? Maybe you sense today that there is a God. Today is a day maybe God softens your heart enough to where his seed finally is going to take root. And if that's you, in just a moment, after Pastor Bobby prays, you can go into the altar room and Meet with one of our pastors and elders and say, I, I want to know Christ. But maybe the brain scan would show a shallow mind. You just don't ever spend time in God's word. Why don't you make a change today? Maybe the brain scan would find that you got a distracted mind, preoccupied mind. And there's just some things that you got to cut out of your life so that the seed won't be choked out. The plant, the root, the root of your faith won't be choked out. I don't know what God sees as he scans your brain here, but may the Holy Spirit lead you to the right decision today. Bobby, would you pray? Jesus, I, uh, I just ask for protection upon each uh, person, each soil that's represented in this room. Fathers, we go out... Uh, Today and in the days to come this week, Father, would you just help us to, uh, to, to commit to some of these maybe decisions that we're wrestling with, Father, where we seek out your will. Father, be with us wherever we go, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.